The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Sign up using our link and receive a $500 risk-free bet. That's right, $500. And if you send in your first bet slip, you'll get a free t-shirt courtesy of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. So head on over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash win for a $500 risk-free bet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights and analysis, as well as free betting picks. Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube for sports betting. Make sure to subscribe to our page so you don't miss a pick at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. We're also brought to you by Better Edge. Better Edge is a stock exchange for sports bets, allowing you to buy and sell betting positions like a stock market. The best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG. That's right. No VIG betting is that's legal in 40 states. Sign up at betteredge.com promo code SGP for a free $10 bet. That's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 10. I'm almost positive we're up to episode 10 of the MMA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I am your host, as per usual, Jeff Fox. I cover the sport for sportsgamblingpodcast.com, and I run MMA-Manifesto.com, which is daily MMA info for you. Like I said, we're back with episode 10, and we actually have some fights to break down. Um, UFC's finally coming back alive after a extremely long break for them three weeks off they're finally back with some fights this week uh not the most exciting or not at least on paper not the uh most star studded packed card but um it is going to be the first card that's going to run on abc tv in the united states uh on saturday afternoon so that that is a monumental thing um before we break down the card though uh, i will int- i'm not here alone uh, i will introduce you to my co-host, he uh, helps me out at MMA-Manifesto.com. He also runs his own podcast, Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and the Prelim Picker Podcast, both MMA podcasts there. He is my poorly prognosticating pal, Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Thank you. And, and only one quick jab in there about my picks. And it's a new year, though, not poorly prognosticating. We are now... Perfectly zero and zero for 2021. Yep. We're, we're, we're tied for the first time since. Actually, I think we were tied after week one. I think one we were tied after week out. one, but to be fair, yeah. I'm pretty sure that fight card wound up with like seven fights on it. <laughs> and two of yes. them we hadn't broke down because they had changed. So yes, I, I think true. we might have tied on those first five. <laughs> very, very true. Um, this week's card, uh, hopefully, well, we, we've already had a few things get switched around on it, but hopefully it stays fairly uh, fairly intact. It would be UFC on ABC, you can call it, or UFC Fight Night, uh, Holloway versus uh, Calvin Cater. So Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. It is coming to us from the magical, mystical, mythical UFC Fight Island. It basically is mythical because it really isn't a Fight Island. It's, um, it's an isthmus. It's the, 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's the Eddie had arena. Um, oh, they're, they're at the Eddie had arena now. Before they were at the Flash Forum, I believe. Uh, anyhow, it's same spot. Yaz Island, Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates is where they'll be hosting the next uh, the next few um, few fight cards, um, or at least until until further notice. So these things are kind of uh, kind of up. Up, um, up in the air uh, as these things go. Um, so we will break down that fight card for you in one second. Uh, but before that, I want to tell you about a brand new sponsor we have, WinBet. That's W-Y-N-N, as in the casinos, Win. Uh, and I'm going to tell you about a $500 risk-free bet. So if you want to send in your first WinBet screenshot to us here at podcast at sportsgamblingpodcast.com, you get yourself a free T-shirt. That's a pretty good deal there, free swag. Um, so WinBet's got tons of boosted bets. We, we also have an, uh, included a wheel spin to boost parlays. It's perfect for all you degens only out there. So WinBet is currently only online in New Jersey, Colorado, Michigan, but more is coming soon and more states on the way, hopefully. Uh, if WinBet isn't active where you are currently, you can still get a free T-shirt if you refer someone to the site. So make sure you go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash win, that's W-Y-N-N, and uh, once again, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, win, W-Y-N-N. Um, so the fight card, Dan, just let me know, one fight has already been pushed off of this card uh, since we started speaking. When did that happen, Dan? Did that just happen uh Today, the Nick Lentz fight? Nick Lentz actually just announced on Twitter, like, I just noticed, like, maybe 45 minutes to an hour ago before we started recording this, that uh, he's going to be on Fight Island a little bit longer, meaning he had already arrived. But their fight has been moved back to January 23rd. So that's the uh, the Conor McGregor card. You can see Mike Grundy versus Nick Lentz on that. Unsure of the reason at this point in time, but it does look like uh, they'll be pushed back a little bit. Okay, very good. Um, not very good, but that's... That's the way that's the way it goes, especially these days. Um, but we will. Um, it doesn't kill the fight card in, in any means. We still have. Let me see. One, two, three. How many fights we got? Seven, nine, eleven, twelve. Looks like at this point we have we have twelve fights. Um, as per usual, we will start at the bottom, move up to the top. So the prelim portion of the card. Um, make note of this. It will be starting at noon Eastern on Saturday afternoon. Uh, this part will be on ESPN. Plus, in um, it won't be on won't be on ABC. That that won't be until the main card. And we kick things off with a featherweight belt, Jacob Kilburn versus Austin Lingo. So a couple of of newer newcomers in the UFC. Both guys have uh, fought once in the octagon so far. I'll tell you about uh, Kilburn first of all. He was actually on Dan's Top Total podcast last week, correct? I believe I heard him. Okay, yes. All right, uh, Jacob Kilburn, eight wins. As a pro, half of them are via knockouts, so four knockouts. He also has three submissions, so a, uh, a, a stopper. Um, he finishes fights, and he's uh, pretty well-rounded in those regards uh, with the knockouts and the submissions. Uh, he's had one UFC fight, which he lost. He's had one Dana White Contender Series fight, which he's lost. Um, one thing to note, of uh, he's 8-3 he's as a pro. All three of those losses have come via submission, so that seems to be his Achilles heel, so to speak, here. Um, he will have two inches of reach on his opponent, Austin Lingle, this week, and he is a plus 180 dog, so f- uh, fairly fairly high dog heading into this. Uh, as for Austin Lingle, uh, seven pro wins, three knockouts, two submissions, so he's fairly well-rounded and a, a finisher as well. He's also 0-1 in the UFC. 
he is an inch taller than Kilburn, but Kilburn will uh, will have longer arms, longer reach, probably longer legs too. You're thinking, but maybe not, uh, since the height goes in Lingo's favor. Um, very small sample size of stats, so basically it would be based on one or two fights. Uh, Lingo's got superior striking and grappling stats. He is a very uh, solid minus 220 favorite heading into this one. Um, what are you thinking about this matchup, Dan? I'm I'm going with Lingo here. I will say I'm a little bit intrigued to see what Kilburn looks like. I know after his last fight, he, he had been training in Tennessee at a, a relatively small gym. And right after that fight, he met Mike Brown while he was backstage. This is one of the things we talked about. And he moved to ATT. He's now training in Florida full-time in American Top Team. He's had a whole year there. So I totally expect to see a much more improved Jacob Kilburn. But that being said, I've always been really high on Austin Lingo when he was on the regional scene. Uh, you know, he's a Fortis MMA guy. You guys know I'm a sucker for a Fortis MMA pick. I think here he also has a grappling advantage uh, in that he has got really good takedowns. He took down Yusef Zalal, who, you know, had a pretty amazing year. You're going three and one. And, you know, I, I think, too, the, the holes he had in his defensive grappling against Zalal, where he got taken down a couple of times... I think they're pretty much not, not a problem here or not anything you'd have to worry against Jacob Kilburn, who's a guy who pretty much just likes to stand and trade. You know, you mentioned he's losing a lot by submission, and it's because he gives up position really qu quite often. So if this fight does wind up being a little bit more evenly matched on the feet, I think Austin Lingo has another path to victory, which is what gives me, you know, good reason to pick him here is I, I think... Not only do I think he does have an advantage on the feet a little bit here, but also he's just got more ways to win. So I like Lingo here. I think probably, too, if you're looking to, to make those odds a little sweeter, if you look for him by finish, I, I, like you said, both guys are finishers. You know, Kilburn is only lost by getting finished, really. So, uh, you know, I like Lingo here by finish, too. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And uh, not to mention, Lingo definitely has a superior experience uh when you look at his record he lost to Yusef Salah which is no uh um nothing to to be hang your head about he's uh he's a top prospect himself but then extensively uh basically all of his fights except for one were in were in very large uh regional feeder feeder league LFA and he, he um dominated there didn't didn't lose the fight um beat uh, a lot of a lot of people with good records and a lot of uh, up-and-comers also so I, I like his um I like his experience also a far, a far more than Kilburn, even though he is a, a friend of friend of your show. I'll be going with with Lingo also in, in this one. So, um, moving along, next fight we got a women's bantamweight fight: Sarah Moras, Vanessa Mello. Um, break that one down for you. Uh, Mello uh, has not been too uh, successful since moving to the UFC, to say the least. She, she's dropped all three of her fights um in the ufc um she is 10 and 8 overall so basically uh kind of a uh mediocre fighter to to, to put it frankly she's lost to irene aldana which is no shame in that obviously uh but she missed weight for that fight she lost to tracy cortez and then she missed weight again and lost to uh carol rosa so whether or not she's actually going to uh make the uh the bantamweight limit here is is uh up for up for debate because she she does not make uh, weight very very often, and you have to think if um, if she loses this fight, she will be bye bye uh, to the UFC. Um, one pause of her: she's only lost one, uh, only been stopped once in her career. Uh, that's via via knockout. She's um, 
all her other fights have, have gone to the the distance. She's a very uh, large minus, uh, sorry, plus 200 um, underdog in the swim. Sarah Moras, not uh, hugely successful either. So this might be um, a loser leaves town match, as, as we like to say in the wrestling biz. Uh, she is got six wins as a pro, um, three via knockout, two via submission. So uh, a finisher and a, a fairly well-rounded one in, in that way. Um, same as Mello, only one stoppage loss on on her career record that was via KO uh, but in the UFC she's three and five um, one and four in the last five fights so she's definitely needing a win here I believe she came to us via ultimate fighter is that yes ultimate fighter she was on and she's a uh, fellow Canadian so I you know which way I I mainly and even though I usually pick against the Canadians um, regardless she got she's also will, will be the bigger fighter here while Mello probably will, will weigh more because more than likely she's going to miss weight uh, if if the past is is any uh, hint at that uh, since she's lost miss weight in two of her last three fights so uh, Morris will be taller though two inches taller two inches of reach um, grappling stats in her favor minus 250 um, on the board for her, so that's in her favor. Also, I I'll will be going with my fellow Canadian for a change here, and I'm guessing Dan's going <laughs> to pick pick the Canadian too. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised you're picking Canadian because you always hate picking yep. Canadians. But uh, yeah, no, yeah. I I think she's a slam dunk pick here, and I'm going to say this is the first one that I want to hashtag throw in a parlay as well because all right, she, there we go. Two fifty, you're right. Not a real fun number to play with. But I, I think there's so much value on her here because she's fighting somebody in Vanessa Mello who. I don't want to be mean. I don't like disparaging fighters. She's not UFC caliber. If you asked me to say what I thought was really good about her, I would struggle to give you anything. You know, like she she is below average on pretty much every single aspect of MMA that I can see. And and that's using all three fights. And, and you know, we you talked about it might be a loser leaves town match, and it might be. But when you look at who Morris has fought... Man, is she fought some killers, right? She's fought Sajara Eubanks, Macy Chiasan. She's fought Lucy Pudilova, Jessica Andrade. Like, she's fought killers. And in addition to that, she's a finisher. Like, I, I know the, the, the stats, you know, don't say lots of finishes in this class, but she got an armbar win over Peggy Morgan on The Ultimate Fighter. She submitted uh, Ashley Evans-Smith. She most recently TKO'd Liana Jojua. Like, she, she goes out there and finishes and... I think what's really interesting about this is Mello gives up takedowns. Morris gets a lot of takedowns or shoots a lot of takedowns at the very least. If you look at Morris by sub uh, uh, props out there, it's like plus 600 right now too. So like if you're thinking about getting in on Morris, I would get in on her by submission or, or TKO too. Like if you don't think she can get it and you think, you know, maybe TKO is a little bit more... Um, likely, like, th those odds could not be better for you. Her winning just inside the distance, if you want to get both of them, he's hovering near plus 400 in some books. So, I, I definitely think Morris has got tons of value on her, because I think I I'm just so low on Mello. Um, but yeah, I I'm picking Morris here, and I'll, I'll take her to finish, too. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's going on a bit of a limb, like I said. Um, Mello doesn't get finished, um at all but but like you said Morris is a finisher five finishes out of her six wins which is which is impressive for for a lighter 135 pound uh weight class so yeah if for what what did you say it was plus what 600 you said it was plus 600 places? for the sub yeah. in some places so like in like granted those are early lines 
and, yeah. and they're not listed in a whole bunch of places. But yeah, Morris by submission, I'm seeing listed at plus 600, 625 on one place. So like it's out there depending on what book you're on, depending on when your book, you know, posts it. Keep a lookout for that because that, that is a hell of a line right now. Yes, definitely. You can't pass on money like that. You don't even have to put much down to uh, to make that worth your while. So um, so that is the women's. That's actually, no, there's two women's fight. That's, that's the first one. Um, the second uh, one will be coming up uh, later on in the prelims. Uh, so we move from women's bantamweight up to men's welterweight. David Zawada, Ramazine Emeyev. Uh, uh, We'll do with we'll go with Zawada first. Um, quite experienced guy. He's got 17 pro wins on his record already. 11 knockouts, four submissions. We got a lot of finishers on on the card here. Um, hasn't been quite as successful in the UFC. He dropped his what first two fights and then won his last one. So he's one and two overall. In, since moving to the big uh, big show, um, he will be the bigger man here, uh, or at least height wise. He's got two inches of height. He's also three inches, or not three, just three years younger. How about we make that? Um, he's also a fairly sizable dog, plus two ten. So we're starting things off with with some uh, fairly sizable dogs here. Um, his opponent, uh, Ramazine, four hundred one the UFC. Uh, won his last fight, so basically he won his first two or first three that would make it in the UFC, and then dropped one, and then. Bounce back last fight. Uh, he was the M1 uh, Russian, mostly in Russia, promotion uh, middleweight champion. Um, he's got inch of reach on Zawada. He has the striking and the grappling stats in his favor. He's a very large minus 260 favorite, but uh, he will be who I am riding with in this one. I'm guessing Dan probably is doing the same. Yeah, we're, we're going to go chalk in the first three years. Yeah. And, and the, the problem with Zawada here is just like, Amiv is a guy, it's funny, when I actually started to do some research on him, I, I have in my head that he's this, like, phenomenal wrestler. Uh, but when I started to watch some film on him and look back at his stats, he's not a great wrestler in terms of takedowns, but he is great at controlling the fight and wearing his fight his opponents out. You know, he might get a takedown and be on top of you for three minutes and then let you up, but then he's going to hold you against the cage for the last two minutes. Um, right. he, he might fail completely on takedowns in the second round, but he's going to hold you against the fence for four minutes and 15 seconds out of those five, landing the odd shot and pretending he's going to trip you or shoot back down for a double leg or whatever he's going to do. And I just see Zawada not being strong enough, not being good enough at, at his foot movement or his cage you know, craft or anything like that to get away from that. I just think Amiv is just going to control him nonstop 15 minutes and win – What's probably not going to be a terribly exciting decision. Right. Yep. That uh, that probably sounds about right, but um, it's going to get us a win. Um, so <laughs> far, so far, Dan's got three straight three straight proper picks, so it's good. You're starting off the new year right, which is what I like to hear. Um, you can also start the new year off right by checking us out over at Better Than Vegas. Uh, if you haven't heard of it before, Better Than Vegas is like YouTube, but it's for what hashtag the Gens only care about, which would be of course sports betting. Uh, the best part is you'd be able to get free video picks from all of us here at uh, Sports Gambling Podcast Network, uh, including me. I will have a video coming up this week for um, – I'll pick a couple picks that Dan and I like, and I will throw up a video for, for you, your uh, viewing pleasure. So make sure you, you subscribe to the SGPN page on there. So it will be sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV for better than Vegas, and then you won't miss any of our videos. And if you are subscribed, you'll get a notification every time a new SGPN video is posted. And we're trying to get videos up there 
uh, daily for, for the various sports that are going on, whether it's NBA, NFL, uh, UFC, whatever is going on in the sports world. Um, so make, once again, make sure you go over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV to subscribe to our Better Than Dot Vegas page. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. Um, so, so far, I could pick either of any of these first three ones because Dan and I agree on all of those, but probably not awesome odds. So hopefully we got some more juicier coming up odds-wise for you to gents. All right, so we're going to skip Nick Lentz's fight because Dan explained that one has been bumped up. So that will bring us to a heavyweight fight. Uh, hashtag chunky guys. <laughs> this is, this is, so this is – I remember to do it this week. This is, Dan likes his chunky – watching his chunky guys, whether they be heavyweights or a lower weight class. And there are a couple of chunky guys in this one, that's for sure. Uh, Carlos Felipe, who I – that, he was on Top Turtle last week also, correct? Correct. Yes. Uh, he, so friend of Dan's. Uh, he's going up against Justin Taffa. Um, do a quick breakdown of these guys. Taffa, this will be his first fight in almost a year. Um, he's been out of uh, on the sideline. Do you know, was that injury, Dan, or do you know what the deal is with that? I, or no? I don't know necessarily. I think probably some of it has to do with the fact that he trains – in Australia, and I, I right, know there's yeah. been some weird, like, quarantine isolation rules, and, and some fighters have just embraced it. Like, Dan Hooker said for his fight against uh, Michael Chandler, he's going to be on Fight Island until the middle of March or something like that, quarantining before they right. let him back into New Zealand. So I think for some fighters, that's a deterrent. They're, they're not willing to do that kind of layoff. Plus, they have to fight on Fight Island or pretty much not at all, because once they're in the U.S., they're going to make them quarantine for about seven times longer. So, um, yeah, so I think there's some deterrent there. There might have been an injury, too, but I don't know too much about what's been going on with Justin Toffa, because he's not a real vocal guy. Right. But, uh, yeah, Australia, uh, um, just to, to add on what Dan has been saying, Australia's got very strict rules about who's, who's coming and going in their country. And surprise, surprise, it's been working for them. Guess how many uh, new cases they had uh, of, of COVID today, Dan? Probably 13. less. Probably 13. less than my neighborhood. <laughs> yes, Thir- 13 for the whole country. Uh, they've had 909 deaths total for for the whole country, um, which is, yeah, they, they know what they're doing apparently. Um, so obviously one death is too many, but but yeah, they're, they're doing far better than us North Americans. So anyhow, that, that's probably, you're probably right. That's probably why he hasn't he hasn't fought because they are very strict there. So uh, getting back to the fight, he... Um, He's still very young uh, in his uh, in his uh, MMA career. This is a, um, a newer fighter. He's got four pro wins, all of them via knockout. Uh, he's one and one in the UFC. Like I said, he's been off for almost a year since his last fight. Uh, and he is a plus 160 dog in this one. Uh, Carlos Felipe, um, also fairly new um to the fighting biz he's got nine pro wins six via knockout so we could see some fireworks here he's also one-on-one in the ufc he's a minus 200 uh, favorite and i i'll be going with him and let me guess dan you're taking him also man we are too chalky yeah. today yes but yeah. um and, and not just because he was on the show too because i did pick against kilmer and i want to know um yeah I, but, well, yep but but i mean you got to go with felipe here for a couple of reasons you, you mentioned tafa not long on experience huge layoff Pretty much all of his wins come with very quick KO. And if you look at Justin or uh, Carlos Felipe, rather, he he is a guy who's pretty damn durable for a heavyweight. Like, it, you go back to that loss against Sergey Spivak, not only did he hang in there with Spivak, but he took some massive shots. 
and, and like seem to have a pretty good gas tank. Like I'm pretty impressed with, despite the fact that he is such a big dude, he's able to keep bringing it late into a fight. You know, he is a hashtag chunky guy. Uh, but at the same time, like I I'm really impressed with Carlos Felipe. You know, like some people think, you know, he might've done enough even to, to edge that fight ahead against uh, Spivak. And then we're talking about a guy who's, who's, uh, who's 10 and 0. So, you know, like Carlos Felipe, I, I think much more interesting here will be um, whether or not this fight goes past around. If this fight goes past around, I think this is Carlos Felipe easy. I, I think Carlos Felipe easily wins this fight if it goes late. Whereas I think if you're, you're measuring out this fight um, for, for Tafa, it, it's a first rounder bust kind of move. I, I think like if he doesn't win this in the first round, he's going to have a really tough time because um, I do like Felipe late here. So yeah, I'm going to go with Felipe. I actually think as, as kind of a fun pick too, the, the odds on him winning by decision in any heavyweight fight are kind of fun because, you know, he, he does get some finishes, but you know, coming off of a decision win over Jorgen De Castro where he was really careful wouldn't shock me if he did that again against uh, Justin Taffa here. So, you know, I, I like Felipe. He's he's definitely my pick, and, and I'll be looking for some fun props there as well. Yeah, both of Felipe's um, pro fights – or not pro fights. Both of his UFC fights have gone the distance. So he's averaging 15 minutes of fight time in the octagon. Uh, Justin Taffa is averaging two minutes and five yeah. seconds of fight time. So um, – yeah, so that's something definitely, definitely to uh, to look at heading into this fight. If this gets past basically the two minute mark, then uh, Toff is basically in, in uncharted water here. So um, we are both uh, speaking of chalk. This is a very I'm not sure if it is for you also. So far it has been, but it's a very, very chalky card for me. I'm not seeing a whole lot of underdogs I, I feel comfortable riding with. I have um, a couple coming up that I'm I'm a little okay. bit more interested on, but yeah, it, it's it's feeling pretty much that way for me too. Yeah. So the odds makers have done their job so far, and uh, the the, um, the casuals haven't haven't changed lines. That that could be the case when we get when people realize this this is a fight card in ABC. Maybe getting some money coming in on at least the uh, the main event or or the uh, main card portion because people uh, like to bet on things that they can watch on TV. So um, we will f continue though on the prelims uh, middleweight fight. This should be a fun one. Omari Akhmadov, Tom Breeze. Um, we'll start with Akhmadov. He's 8-4-1 and one in the UFC, so he's been around for quite a while. Uh, he's on a very hot streak. He's 3-1 and one in his last four fights. He's a plus-120 dog in this one. Uh, Tom Breeze, uh, 12 pro wins, 5 knockouts, 6 submissions. So he will finish you one way or another. Um, he's got 3 inches of height in here. He's 4 years younger. Striking stats in his favor. He is 5-2 and two in the UFC. And he's already been stopped once in his career, and that was uh, via via knockout. He's minus 145 in this fight. Um, is this one of the ones where you're leaning dog Dan or not? It's funny that you could you could feel that coming, huh? Like yeah. <laughs> you you somehow knew that. Yeah, I think I'm riding with Omari Akhmedov here. It's funny when when you look at Akhmedov's uh, the the fights that have been tough for him in his career. They come against guys. Who, who can grapple him up a little bit or at least match his grappling, right? Like Chris Weidman landed a couple of takedowns, picked up that win. He actually drew with Marvin Vittori, which in retrospect is an amazing looking draw, right? Like Yeah, that's quality, yeah. It, it's very high quality. So the fact that he had a majority draw with Marvin Vittori is pretty damn impressive. And like in that fight too, like I said, it's 
it's one of those fights that looked like uh, the the guy who was he was fighting was able to to out grapple him a little bit. Tom Breeze has phenomenal jujitsu. He just doesn't ever get anywhere where he can use it. Um, he loves to box. He's fallen in love with his hands, and here he's fighting a guy who does an exceptional job at controlling people and not letting them throw their hands. So I, I think it's a terrible matchup for for Tom Breeze. I was really shocked when I saw these odds come out and Omari Akhmedov came off as a uh, underdog, especially being that Breeze recently lost to Brendan Allen in a fashion that it seems like Omari Akhmedov could just mimic, right? Like, th- that's a game plan right there. Just be, just go be Brendan Allen against Tom Breeze. Um, and, and Tom Breeze, all he's done since then is be a newcomer on short notice who is supposed to be fighting on Contender Series. So, like, I'm not quite sure why these odds are where they are, but definitely go get on them before uh, they change and more money comes in on Akhmedov. Yeah, I'm going Breeze, though. So, there Ooh, you go. Oh, wow. Yeah. He he does not get taken down. If you look at his record, he um, Kita Nakamura is the only guy who's taken him down in the UFC, and he's fought a lot of guys who rely on takedowns, and none of them have been able to to get him down. He's stuffed seventy five percent of his of his uh, takedown of people have attempted to take him down, um, and he's never been submitted. So I I'm going going with him in this one. I, I'm not super solid on it. Uh, Akhmedov is was like I said, he, he was on a tear until. Uh, Weidman figured out a plan to beat him, but um, yeah, this I think this is the first one we're actually going to uh, disagree with each other on. So first one, Dan, we'll be getting wrong this uh, <laughs> for this for this fight card. We we shall see, we shall see. Although I will say, so you do mention that that he they are he did fight a lot of guys who rely on takedowns. Remember that uh, Brendan Allen only got to shoot one before he knocked him silly. Uh, so, <laughs> so that is that is worth mentioning. I will give yeah. you, he did stuff Sean Strickland twice, and that was a much more grapple-heavy Sean Strickland back in the day before he turned into the, the pseudo-striker that he is now. So, yeah, I, I yeah. will give you, decent takedown defense. I'm not sure he's fought anybody Akhmedov style, but th- this, no, will be, this will be my first plus money of 2021. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not going to... Uh argue too strongly on this because i i was uh i was having a hard time picking this fight so so there you go um last women's fight of uh, of the car will be a women's bantamweight fight also Wu yanan and uh, a newcomer joseline edwards um edwards will be taking this fight on short notice so that's some uh alarm bells right there short notice fighters i think it's like they were, they were only last year they only won about 30 something percent of their fights uh 34 percent of their fights so um it's it's never well it's i shouldn't say never obviously because 34 percent is not zero but uh usually it's it's the case you're going to want to go with the fighter who is in the fight the longest rather than the short notice one so anyhow she's got nine pro wins five knockouts three submissions so we got another finisher here um she's right now a, a small dog plus 130 uh her counterpart, her Chinese counterpart, is one and two in the UFC. Um, she's got 11 pro wins, seven knockouts, two submissions, so she's a finisher also. Uh, she will be a bit bigger, two inches of height. Um, she's also a year younger, minus 150, and I'll, I'll be taking her. Um, and this one, I'm guessing Dan will take the same. I'm going to take uh, Wu Yanan in, in this fight. It, and the, the reason I like her in this fight, too, is that you know, if you look back at, at her her losses, she, she had a tough time coming in at flyweight. She she tried to fight at flyweight for her last two fights. She missed weight pretty badly in the Mizuki Inoue fight. Um, and, she, and she didn't look bad in that fight either, I will say. 
Um, the other thing I will say is in the limited amount I've been able to watch Joseline Edwards coming in here on short notice, we, we've broken down what it means to come in on short notice during the COVID era. It's not good for fighters. In addition to that, you, you mentioned all of her knockouts. Go ahead and look back at the records of those women she's knocking out. It's like one in three, oh in two, two in four. Like she's knocking out women she should knock out. And I also think it has given her probably a bad game plan in general with her fighting. She thinks she can go in there and knock everybody out because she swings bombs all the time, which is just not a sustainable thing against Wu Yanan because Wu Yanan actually has really great output. Like, she's a type of fighter who likes to put lots of strikes out there. In that Inouye fight, she actually threw 123 punches that landed. That's just that landed. So when we talk about somebody who throws, you know, she threw over 250 strikes in that fight. Against somebody who's just out to try to knock your head off, you assume that the 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 cardio advantage is clearly in the, the Yanan's favor. Yeah, and if you go to Topology to check out Edwards, um, just Edwards' record, just to uh, touch back on, on what Dan said, uh, she knocked in her pro fight, uh, pro debut, she knocked out an 0-1 fighter, and then she knocked out a debuting fighter, and then, uh, you know, it's all, and then she's arm-barring people with 1-1 records, she's knocking people out that are 1-0, so she hasn't really fought anyone with too much experience. Uh, she did fight Sarah Alpert uh, a few years ago and, and lost that fight, so that was basically her one step up competition and, and she dropped that. So um, more than like, uh, yeah, in her last fight, Pamela Gonzalez, she uh, knocked out and she's three and four as a pro. So um, yeah, I, I think we're both going with Yanan here. And I think that's a pretty solid pick. And I think minus 150 is probably a pretty good value too. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I would say it's surprisingly good value, but I think a lot of that comes in when the bookmakers see the record. Oh, nine and two. Oh, this girl's right. lost a couple in the UFC. Oh, all of her wins are knockouts. Like, they, they don't do the type of analysis we do because they know that not a lot of betters do either, right? Like, not a lot of betters right. have the inside track on, you know, just how bad of a regional record it looks like when you're 9-2. and two. And, I mean, like, I love Sarah Alpar. I, I think she's a, a great personality and she's a pretty good fighter. But she's, like, not the top of the heap at 35 either. Like, if you told me Yanan Wu was going to fight Sarah Alpar – I still might take Wu in that fight too. Like, and like, that's, that's kind of a tricky, you know, not that MMA math works all the time, but that, that's kind of a tricky out here for Jocelyn Edwards. Yeah, no. So definitely get on this. If you can find this at your preferred sports book, or if you can use WinBet if you're in one of those States that they're open for, definitely jump on, uh, jump on that number. Cause, um, you know, so yeah, far, far more experience. Um, and, just a better fighter all around, I think. Uh, so minus 150, that's a very good deal. And that may be um, something you want to throw, throw in a hashtag, throw in a parlay also. So uh, we'll finish off the prelim ESPN plus portion with another middleweight fight of Phil Haas, Nazardin Imavov. Um, we will go with Haas first. He actually will go with uh, Imavov first. We'll, we'll stick with the dogs first. Uh, he's got nine pro wins, three knockouts, four submissions. So this will be a, uh, if if the records are any indication, this should be a uh, stoppage heavy fight car, which would be fun. Um, he's three inches taller than Haas, uh, six years younger. He's one and zero in the UFC. Striking stats in his favor, but that's based on what one one uh, one, one fight. fight yeah, <laughs> one by the octagons. There you go. Uh, he's plus one thirty five in this one. Haas nine pro wins, also seven knockouts, two submissions. So he's never gone to to decision. Um, he may be shorter, but he's got two inches of reach. One-on-one in the UFC, one-on-one in Dana White's Contender Series. 
So he's far more experienced, at least in, in the UFC octagon. He's minus 160 in this one. What are you thinking? Uh, this is another one of those ones where I really like the dog. Um, full disclosure here, I'm a huge Nasoradim Imovov fan. I actually think he's being wildly underrated here. And for the reason being that, like, if, if you go back and look at how good he looked against UFC vet Jonathan Munier at... Uh, Back when he was in Aries FC, which is where he was before he got signed to the UFC, he, he was on their first ever card. He looked great in that fight. Um, you know, the Jordan Williams fight for me showed that he is good at, at making angles, staying away from big shots. He did get tagged once in a while, which might be alarming against a guy like Phil Haas, who's got big KO power. But the thing for me about Haas is that I, I am still not sold on Phil Haas as a guy who is going to be dangerous after one round. Um, if you look at his first try on the Contender Series, or even his, his World Series of Fighting bout before that, he's a guy who looked amazing in the first round of both of the fights against Julian Marquez and Luis Taylor, but then in the second round, looked like those big, huge muscles of his just couldn't take it anymore. He got guillotine choked in one and head kicked into oblivion in the other one, and largely a much more tired version of him in those. Since then, he has rattled off five straight wins, all in the first round. So again, we still haven't seen him get to deep waters, and he's fighting a guy who fights a very technical fight, a very well-distanced fight, and a very nuanced fight as far as his footwork goes. So I think as long as Imovov does that, and Imovov even has the ability to push somebody against the cage, I think as long as he does that with Haas and wears him out, I think a finish in the second or third round here is totally possible here for Imovov. And at plus money, it, I, I think it's a smart play. Yeah, I was leaning Haas, but um, I'm going I'm to take the dog too. Because, um, yeah, for, for basically the reasons you are mentioning. Um, plus, it, when you look at his experience, he, he's got some nice scalps on his on his resume. I'm just checking when's the last time that Haas has gone out of the – he hasn't gone out of the first round in ages. Uh, he lost via um, – head kick in round uh second round of Dana White's contender series like three years ago uh but yeah he, he's all it's all first round first round first round with this guy so uh, I think Imabov is is the pick um picking this one and, for, and it's, for it's also worth going back and looking at his his ultimate fighter fight because I forgot he tried to get into the ultimate right. fighter house in in lost and it was to Andrew Sanchez a guy who is notoriously good at tiring people out like right like that's that's the Andrew Sanchez style put him against the cage let them tire themselves out, maybe take them down, let them tire themselves trying to get back up, and, and maybe win on the feet a little bit, but it's not worth it to win on the feet if you can just make the other guy so fucking tired that you can control the position. And, and not that I think that that's the Imovov path, but I think Imovov stays safe long enough that that naturally becomes what happens to Oz. Right. So there you go. Uh, that wraps up the prelim portion. Um, before we hit, hit the main card, let's tell you about another... I believe this is the first time we've had them on uh, as a sponsor for this podcast also better edge so better edge is b-e-t-t-o-r edge it's a stock exchange for sports bets so it allows you to buy and sell betting positions like a stock market the best part is it allows you to bet with no vig since you're buying positions from other sports betters there's no house money there so the house does not uh, take a cut there uh, you can play for money in 40 states Plus, we've got a weekly contest. SGP has a weekly contest going with them for our listeners. This week, it's SGP wildcard wager. $10 to enter, and each user will start with a balance of $1,000 to wager a 
are multiple events. The player with the highest earnings will take the entire pool of entry fees. So, sign up today. Uh, it's better edge, B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com, and use promo code SGP for a free $10 bet. That's B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com, promo code SGP. So basically use SGP promo code wherever, um, any website you go on, just type in SGP and you'll probably get some kind of uh, some kind of deal. That's just the way it goes. So, so someone said you got 10 bucks off dog food the, uh, last week. You type in an SGP. So there you go. <laughs> you, know, you never know. We're, we're all, all over the place. We have tent tentacles everywhere. All right. Um, heading to the main card. Uh, middleweight again. This is a middleweight heavy heavy fight card. Uh, now that I glance at it again, we've got what four middleweight fights on, on the card. Punihio uh, Soriano, Dusko Todorovic will be the uh, curtain jerker on the prelims. Uh, Soriano will be the underdog in this one, so we'll start with him. 7-0 uh, as a pro. Um, four knockouts, two submissions. So this is a finish. Uh, this is a fight card for finishers. Um, grappling stats in his favor, but he's only fought a couple times in the octagon. That's the same with Todorovic. Uh, he's 1-0 in the UFC and 1-0 on the contender series. That's how he punched his ticket to the to the big time. He's plus 130 in this one. Todorovic also undefeated, so someone's leaving with the first L uh, more than likely in this one, unless we go to a draw um, or no contest. So he is 10-0, six knockouts, three submissions, so another finisher. He was the bigger man, two inches of height, two inches of reach. And two years younger. Um, one and zero UFC, one and zero in Dana White's Contender Series. So he also punches to get through the Contender Series, which is where we're getting most of our our top prospects nowadays. Uh, he's minus one sixty, and he will be who I am taking. I am going chalk once again. Yeah, I, I am too. But I will say, and this is really important. This is the fight I'm the least confident on on the whole card. Um, okay. And it's largely because I'm not really high on either of these two. Uh, I actually okay. am very low on both of these two as prospects, um, despite being undefeated, despite having tons of finishes. Like, uh, Punahele Soriano is coming off the Contender Series. Like you said, he beat Jamie Pickett, who needed three attempts on the Contender Series to finally get to the UFC. He went one and two in the, right. the Contender Series and then got brutalized in his, his UFC debut. So, like, I'm not high on Jamie Pickett. And Jamie Pickett actually stung Soriano a couple of times in that fight. Then they really set Soriano up with, like, a, kind of a gimme first fight. You know, Oscar Pichota, if you look back at Oscar Pichota's UFC record, is bad, right? Like, he lost four in a row. One of them got changed to a no contest because a guy tested positive for some some performance enhancers. But he, he's 0-4 in his last four. So, knocking him out, not the, the best thing in the world, right? And then same thing with, with Dusko Tartasovic. Uh, he, he beat Daquan Thompson who's now on a four-fight losing streak after losing to, to Dusko. So it, it's like a tough thing here because I thought both of them didn't look good on the Contender Series. I was surprised both of them got contracts. And then I was I saw that they both kind of got layups in their first fight. I'm not super sold on either of these guys, but I do think Soriano just gets hit a little bit more than, than Todorovic. And in addition to that, Todorovic... He, he doesn't have, like, big loopy strikes. He's a little bit more tight and technical than Soriano. So in a fight where both guys like to finish, like to throw big punches, um, and, and both guys can tend to be a little sloppy, I'm going to take the little bit more technical guy here in Todorovic. Right. So Dan basically wants both these guys to lose, so maybe we'll have a, <laughs> a, a double KO, one of the uh, rare double rainbows of, of MMA, double KO. Um also, uh, should mention, I didn't mention off top, Soriano hasn't fought since December of 2019. He had mm. two fights. Two fights fall out, uh, fall out last year. 
Um, so that uh, ring rust is a real thing, despite what Dominic Cruz says. It's <laughs> it is a, it, it is a real thing, which which most uh, most fighters would would agree with. So uh, we're both going to go with Todorovic. Todorovic also. He had he had three fights fall out last year, but he did get uh, a fight against Daquan Townsend, and he uh, grounded and pounded him. Um, that was back in October, so he he should be a little um, little uh, more fresher, have have some of the ring rust uh, knocked off at the very least. So we're agreeing on another pick here, which is disappointing, but that's that's the way it seems to be going here. Uh, the final middleweight card, uh, middleweight fight, I mean, of the of the. Afternoon. I was going to say evening, but it, it will be it will be afternoon, depending on on what part of the world you live in. But this more than likely will be an afternoon fight if uh, if you're in the uh, in the in the North America area. Um, so we got Joel Quinn Buckley, Alessio Chicharito. Why can't I say his name? Chicharito. See, I I know all these people, but I hardly ever have to say their names out loud, which is the thing. We will go with the uh, the Chirico first. We'll, we'll break him down. Um, he will be a bit taller, two inches of height. Um, he is a very stellar 0-3 in the UFC, so he's dropped three straight. Um, as a pro, he's got 12 wins, five via knockout, four via submission. Uh, he's only been stopped once in his career. That was via sub- a submission. Um, he has got striking and the grappling stats in his favor over Buckley. Um but he is a plus 220 dog in this one. Buckley, two inches of reach, five years younger. Uh, he's won two of his three UFC fights. He dropped his debut and has won two straight. Um, I see him in the minus, I have him down at minus 278, so he's right in the 270, 280 range there. Um, as a pro, 12 wins, nine knockouts. Um, who are you going with in this one? I'm going to go with Joaquin Buckley here, but I will say I don't like these odds. I don't like negative 270 for Buckley. It's 100% because he's coming off those two massive knockouts, including the Ipa Kasangade knockout of the year. I mean, like, I think it was everybody's knockout of the year, unless you pick Kevin Holland hitting the KO from his butt cheeks. But, like, I think Joaquin Buckley is being overrated for that reason. And I also think DeChirico, you mentioned he's 0-3 in his last three in the UFC. They are against high-level competition. The aforementioned Kevin Holland is in that run. Mahmoud Muradov, who's a a hell of a fighter. Zach Cummins, again, no slouch. All of those guys are legitimate losses. And if you go back, I mean, he's got a win over Julian Marquez. He he knocked out Oluwala Bangabose. Like, he's a good fighter. His, his, uh, His record definitely doesn't show how good he is. And it's that reason why I really don't like this negative 270 line for Buckley. But... I don't like the line on the other side so well that I'm betting DeChirico. Like, I don't think he's going to win this fight. I just don't think the odds are quite as wide as they should be. So I'm not really finding odd or uh, um, value on either sides of these bets, but I am going to go with Buckley for my official pick here. Yeah, I totally agree. I will be going with, with Buckley also. Um, but yeah, he's when you look at DeChirico's record, like I said earlier, he's only lost one fight uh via um he's only been stopped once and that was via submission he's fought some uh really heavy hit heavy, heavy hitters and he has never hasn't been uh had his lights turned out so they may be bad news for Barkley. even kevin holland didn't finish him julian marquez couldn't finish him he lost him actually bambuse didn't finish him he, he lost him also so these are these are some guys who can uh who can bang and he uh didn't get his lights turned out by any of them so um and buckley's by 
by no means a perfect fighter. He's, he's been stopped by Kevin Holland. He lost twice in, in Bellator. But, uh, yeah, he is a pick, but uh, I think we're both saying steer clear of, uh, if he's in the 270, minus 270 range, steer clear of him. What what range would he have to be in for you to, to be comfortable placing a bet on him? You know, when I saw the, the matchup posted, I, I actually mentally thought, like, oh, I bet you those odds are absurd in, like, negative 350. It, it wound up not being that high, but I was thinking myself personally, I probably wouldn't hate him right around negative 200. Um, but like you said, the, the problem with this fight is that being on ABC, being early on in the day, I think the casual money is going to come in on the person who you can see the highlight film on on YouTube, right? So, like, that number is going to edge more towards the feared negative 350 that I have, not towards the negative 200 that I'd feel at least more intrigued at, right? Like, negative 200, I might want to, you know, hashtag throw him in a parlay, but, like, I, I still probably would want him even a little lower to be, like, a straight bet, um, you know, like maybe 185, 175, I'd start to think about him, um, for a straight up bet. Yeah. But I, like, like Dan said, I don't see that happening either. So, cause there's going to be money coming in on him for sure. Especially once the, once the ABC broadcast starts and, and for sure they will be playing that highlight, uh, of, of his crazy knockout, um, nonstop until his fight and probably after his fight also. So, um, that brings us last three fights on the afternoon slash evening. Uh, before we hit those, let's tell you about our last sponsor, Ace Per Head. Have you ever thought of starting your own sports book but don't know how? Well, that's what Ace Per Head's for. They're there to help you start one, um, start your own sports book. They provide you with all inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated up to the second and wagers graded immediately. They have top-notch customer support going 24-7 and some of the sharpest lines in the industry. Plus, Ace Per Head offers live betting and an amazing mobile experience. So get started today and Ace will give you up to six weeks free. Go over to aceperhead.com slash SGP, aceperhead.com slash SGP. The SGP code strikes again. All right. Um, Welterweights, this should be a fun one. I'm happy to see this guy back in the cage. Santiago Ponzinibbio was was uh, on a tear to the top of the division, um, but he hasn't been in the cage since November of 2018. Um, he will be going up against the leech, Li Jingliang, who will be taking this fight on short notice. So we warned you about short notice fighters earlier on, but that's uh, something to keep in mind here. Um, who was... Ponzinibbio was supposed to fight uh, Muslim Selikov, but he pulled out of, out of the fight. Um with COVID-19, imagine that. Uh, that was about mid-December, so we're at less than less than a month's uh, notice for um, the Chinese fighter in this fight. Um, going up against uh, Ponzinibbio, the Argentinian. Um, we'll go with uh, the Chinese fighter first. Uh, short, like I said, short notice fight. Um, he was two years younger than Ponzinibbio. Uh, striking stats are in his favor, which uh, is one big plus in his column there. Um, he's three and two. Uh, in his last five, he dropped his last fight. Um, as a pro, 17 wins, seven knockouts, 12 submissions. Uh, he's only been stopped also once in his career. That was via submission. Uh, he's a very sizable plus 220 dog in this one. The Argentinian, uh, two inches of reach, grappling stats in his favor. Like I said, he hasn't fought since November of 2018 due to various health issues. Um, let me see. He is... I believe nine and he won seven straight um, fights heading in this one. He's nine and one over his last 10 uh, as a pro. He's got 27 wins, 15 knockouts, six submissions. Uh, he's like, I say, 
you got throughout there. He's minus 280 heading into this one. Um, despite the huge odds, he's definitely my pick. Um, hope, I'm hoping he can keep the momentum going because he was he was on a tear heading into this. Or yeah. heading, into, heading into the end of November, at least, of yeah. 20, 2018. <laughs> 2018. Yeah, and, and, and if you look back to, he had bouts canceled with Muslam Salikov, but before that, he also had a bout uh, that he was supposed to have in 2019 against Robbie Lawler. And, and that's not... That's not five-fight losing streak Robbie Lawler. That's like in his prime Robbie Lawler. So he, he was high on people's radar. He knocked out Neil Magny in a main event. Like, And this is Neil Magny who's fighting in the main event on Wednesday. So like, he is by far the better fighter than Li Jingliang. I, I think he's an easy pick if, if, and this is important, if he's the Santiago Ponzinibbio we saw fight Neil Magny. He stuffed Neil Magny on not only two takedowns, and Neil Magny went 0 for 2 against him, but in addition to that, his footwork, his power, and the way he slaps you with his jab makes it so that you can't get close enough to even try a takedown, right? Because when was the last time you saw Neil Magny only attempt, you know, two takedowns in 18 minutes of fighting? That's incredible. And the reason isn't because Neil Magny didn't want to wrestle him. You don't want to strike with Ponzinibbio. He dropped Neil Magny twice. But Magny couldn't even find the entries for it, which is crazy because Magny's a great wrestler. So, you know, when you, you consider all of that stuff, I think that that's right. That, that's Lee Jinglong's path to victory, right? Is his takedown, right? He, he even took down Neil Magny twice. Uh, he did get taken down four times by Neil Magny, but like, he's a guy who likes to take people down. He took down Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos. He took down David Zawada. You know, like, he likes going for those takedowns. And, and in this case, I just don't see that path being available for him against Ponzinibbio as long as, and I can't stress this enough, as long as he is 2018 Ponzinibbio. Because if, if these two years off has been, have been killer to him, who, who knows what he looks like now after two plus years off. But I, I like to think he's probably enough of the same Ponzinibbio. I, I like to think that we can pick him here fairly safely. Um, you know, negative 275, kind of wide for a guy who hasn't fought in almost two and a half years, but I'm definitely yeah. taking Ponzinibbio. Yeah, the, the line may be a little... Do you know all different uh, ailments that kept him out? I know it was staph infection that made him pull from the Lawler fight. Do you know what he had injured? I can't remember. Do you uh, have any... Um, I believe it was his leg, if I remember correctly. He had like <laughs> a, a staph infection in his leg, and then obviously, right. you know, COVID kept him out in 2020 or the end right, of 2020 right, yeah. they were supposed to book them um, yeah. or, or like travel restrictions or like there, there was a whole bunch of different things and different injuries yeah. and all kinds of things that have kept them out for so long. But I do know that he continues to be training at American top team, which to me, right. Uh, you know, it, it's so hard to just be like, Oh, he trains at one of the best gyms in the world. Like, yeah, a, a lot of people train at really nice gyms too, but you know, he's a guy who we were really high on. And I think the fact that he has a good gym that could keep him in shape to be the type of guy, you know, who went out there and starched Gunnar Nelson badly, you know, like I think there's enough of that left in him, regardless of the injuries, regardless of uh, that time away. Right. All right. We will moving on. Uh, it should, should be fun to see him back regardless. So hopefully he's, he's a, uh... Close to uh, close to the fighter that we saw a few years back. Um, co-main event will be um, a couple of names that casual fans or at least old-time fans uh, may know. It's another welterweight fight. Carlos Condit, Matt Brown, two guys very, very close to uh, having retirement fights. If this isn't the retirement fight, and then it could be it could be coming very very shortly. Uh, Condit's 
actually they both have already sort of kind of retired and, and come back or they've taken uh, extended time off and, and come back. Uh, we'll start with the immortal Matt Brown. Um, four and six over his last 10 fights. So he's, he's definitely seems to be on his way out after having, um, he had a bit of a run a few years ago where he, he was moving himself up the, the rankings there. Uh, he's only two and four in his last six as a pro 22 wins, 14 knockouts, six submissions. So we got another finisher here. Um, grappling stats in his favor for this fight. <clears throat> he is plus 125 on the board. Um, as for Condit, uh, two inches taller, three years younger, uh, he's, he won his last fight, but he had lost five straight before that. And he's only won three in his last 10. So, uh, he's on his way out also. And he, he definitely was, was quote unquote retired for a little bit there before coming back, uh, as a pro 31 wins, 15 KOs, 13 submissions. So a couple finishers here. He's at minus 155. Uh, what are you thinking about this senior circuit fight here, Dan? I, I actually like Matt Brown as an underdog pretty well here. I, I think a lot of yep. people are on the, the short memory kick here with the Carlos Condit win coming against Court McGee. I think people are thinking, you know, that, that win looked really good. He looked like uh, uh, old Carlos Condit in that fight. Yeah, he did, against one of the most brutal strikers the UFC has. Um, I like Court McGee as a person. He's not a good striker at all. He, he he sort of relies on his grappling and cage craft in order to, to make it in the UFC. And he attempted zero takedowns against Carlos Condit, notably one of the worst takedown defenders in history, right? Like, go back through his, his you know, miraculous five-fight losing streak, with the exception of that Robbie Lawler split decision— Taken down and submitted easy by Damian Maya. Taken down 800 times by Neil Nagny. Submitted by Alex Oliveira. Taken down and submitted by Michael Chiesa. Like, just grappling mistake after grappling mistake. Then he fights a grappler who doesn't try to grapple him. So, like, you can feel good about that fight if you want. And you can feel bad about uh, Matt Brown coming off of a loss to Miguel Baeza. But the bottom line is that's just Matt Brown fighting a younger, more athletic powerful up-and-comer who who I'm really high on. Miguel Baeza is a beast. But, like, Matt Brown pretty much had two of those quote-unquote senior circuit fights before that where he knocked out Diego Sanchez clean and he knocked out Ben Saunders clean. Like, both with elbows. So, we're, we're talking about Carlos Condit being the type of guy who's only really particularly good on the feet. He does not defend a takedown well against a guy who has a pretty good takedown game. Like, I think people forget that Matt Brown is good at that and has that avenue available for him against Carlos Condit should he need it. And in addition to that, I think he might even look better on the feet here when we see them square off. Like, it wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if he backed Condit up and threw some elbows and hurt him. So, I mean, like, especially at plus money, I think Matt Brown is a steal here. All right, well, there you go. I was... Um, I was leaning Condit, but you have a lot of good points there, Dan. And I, no, I'll stick with Condit. But we have to have a couple of picks different. But yeah, I, I, I'm not, not totally sold on on this one because, like I said, Dan's got a lot of good picks. I'm not sold on either guy. Uh, having much of a of a future left in in MMA, but uh, I do agree. Brown has has looked better than than Condit as of as of late. Um. To the main event, uh, main event would be a featherweight fight, a five-round featherweight fight between former champ Max Holloway versus uh, up-and-comer Calvin Cater. Uh, the up-and-comer is um, the older fighter, though, surprisingly here. Um, so Cater, we'll start with him. 
he will be uh, bigger, which is uh, three inches of reach, which is uh, rare for, for Holloway having someone who's actually bigger than him. Um, he's won two straight fights. He's 4-1 in his last five, uh, plus around plus 130, 140. I have him at plus 138 is where I grabbed a number from. Um, Holloway, three years younger, despite uh, being around forever. Uh, striking stats in his favor. Uh, two and three over his last five fights. He, uh, he's lost his last two, but they were both to champ um, Alexander Volkanovsky. He's basically only fought killers um, for years and years and years. So uh, whether he's won two uh, or three or zero fights in his last five, it's it's all against all against killers. So um, he's minus 165. He's my pick in this one. Um, how, what are you thinking, Dan? So I told you before, Air, and I, I'll repeat this to, uh, to to the guests here, or the listeners here. I, I did not have a pick when we started this podcast for, for right. Calvin Cater versus Max Holloway. It is just such an intriguing fight to me for so many reasons, and it's because what you just said. Max Holloway is coming off of a bunch of losses to yep. Volkanovski, Volkanovski, and Dustin Poirier. Um, right. He also has wins against... Frankie Edgar, Brian Ortega, and Jose Aldo. So, like, we're talking about a guy who only fights the very best. And meanwhile, we're talking about Calvin Cater having fought Danny Gay, Jeremy Stevens, Ricardo Lamas, Chris Fishgold. And, like, when you just compare those two resumes, man, like, you, how, how do you even compare them, right? Like, yeah, Cater looked great in a lot of those fights. He knocked out Lamas. He knocked out Fishgold. He knocked out Jeremy Stevens. He, he really won the later rounds against Zabit Magomed Sheripov, and I think probably would have won a five-round fight against Zabit Magomed Sheripov, too. So, like, it's so hard to gauge what you would expect here in a, a Max Holloway fight, but I think because I'm so right on the fence, I'm so 50-50, I'm going to take the dog here. I'm going to take Calvin Cater. I mean, I bet against the, the Bostonian recently. My, my statehood uh, with Rob Font and looked terrible after the fact so i'm gonna ride with calvin cater here in the new england cartel and and i think if i were to draw up a path to victory here is that i think he has to draw out one of those types of fights that max holloway gets into with guys who are bigger and stronger than him that he loses right like if you look at the reason he lost to dustin poyer it's because he was fine with that fight being both of us will land 180 strikes. That's cool with me. Both of us just let's let's land everything. And the fact of the matter is, is Dustin Poirier hits harder than Max Holloway. So when that goes to the judges' scorecards, Dustin Poirier wins it. Okay, you could say the same thing about the Volkanovski fights, although Volkanovski does a really good job of sort of deterring some of Max Holloway's strikes and winds up landing more. But in both of those fights, he was like, all right, let's all land plus 100 strikes. You know, 100 plus strikes... 130 strikes in their first bout. And again, Volkanovski hits harder and does better damage on those. If Calvin Cater accepts that type of fight, he's got a gas tank that can hold him up through five rounds. He's got the ability to go late into fights, as we saw with Dan Ige. He, if he accepts that type of fight, I think he hits harder than Max Holloway. And it's going to look better on the judges' scorecards. He just has to make sure what happened to somebody like Brian Ortega, although granted Brian Ortega you know, started to tire quite a bit, doesn't happen to him. Or what happens to Frankie Edgar, where Frankie Edgar started to miss on a lot of things. As long as they're willing to trade 50-50, both of them lands, let's say, 140 strikes. 
I actually think that that probably favors somebody like Calvin Cater, who's going to hit Max Holloway harder than he gets hit. So I think for that reason, on a very, very exciting, very, very action-packed main event, I like Calvin Cater by decision. And yeah, um, it's worth mentioning Holloway tends to get messed up. Uh, his face get, tends to get messed up a lot, which is, if this is going decision, that's something it seems judges take uh, take into account um, who's doing the most damage to, to their opponent. Um, Holloway's not afraid to to eat a few shots to, to land one of his own. Do you think, uh, plus he's had a, some scary health issues uh, in regards to weight cutting and, and not even weight cutting. Um, he's had some some uh, issues where it seems like he's um, he's taken a lot too much punishment over his career. So who knows if if he's got a lot left in his tank? I'm still going with him in this in this fight, but um, but yeah, it could be could be a fun fight. I believe when we broke this down a few weeks ago, you were in the Holloway camp also at that point, right? I was, and, and like I said, yeah. I, I hadn't had a choice when we started this this yeah. podcast, and I think it just comes down to me in this case being. I think there it, it's closer to a coin flip. So if we're going to bet on it, which you should bet $100 on every fight no matter what. <laughs> right, uh, yeah, I forgot to mention that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, which you should always bet $100 on every fight no matter what. Um, if you're going to bet that on this fight, you go with the underdog if you think it's a coin flip, right? Because the, right. there's yeah. implied value with Calvin Cater. But yeah, I, I think that that's worth noting too, right? Max Holloway has taken, with the exception of the Frankie Edgar fight, he's taken 100 punches to the dome. I want to say, and I don't have the UFC stats in front of me right now, but I want to say four out of the last five fights. Um, the, the last time he didn't take 100 punches was Frankie Edgar and then the second Jose Aldo fight. Um, so that's four out of the last five times. You know, Volkanovski landed 137, 157. Frankie Edgar landed 96, so almost 100. Poirier landed 178. Even in that one-sided beatdown to Brian Ortega, right? Like, he he crushed Brian Ortega and finished him. He still took 110 punches. So, like, he's a guy who has taken an extreme amount of punishment in his last five fights. And it should be noted, Calvin Cater hits like a truck. So, like, this isn't a guy you can take 150 punches from and still feel good uh, at the end of the fight. And, and again, I I can't say it enough. Calvin Cater's gas tank is exceptional. I think his his cardio, you know, Max Holloway's been lauded for his cardio for a long time. I actually think he's at a disadvantage here. I think Calvin Cater is going to look like the fresher fighter in rounds four and five, and and that could be the decider, really. Yeah, very well, kid. You you've been very persuasive today. I'm still picking <laughs> Holloway, but yeah, you've uh, not feeling good about Holloway pick. I'm not feeling good about my Condit pick, and and I switched on one of them earlier on that you you talked me into. So yeah, uh, maybe a new year. It'll, we will have a new Dan on our hands here who actually um, picks a whole bunch of winners for you people out there. Or, um, I'm, or I'm just really persuasive with the yeah, winners that's true. I pick. Maybe I just practiced in our, our few weeks off that I can just persuade anybody into to riding my losers with me. <laughs> possibly. Possibly. Um, now, we were hinting at a few props and in, in, uh, parlays um, earlier on uh, as we went through the fights. Um, I would say probably the best value pick, if you're going to go uh, for a value pick, I think we both like um, Wu Yanan, right, at minus 150. I think she's probably the best number we saw on the board, I think. I, I would say, yeah, I, I like her on the board at negative 150. I also like Austin yeah. Lingo with the numbers we were talking about, and I'm hovering right around negative 200. 
Um, yeah. if, if, if you want to parlay those two together, I think those two are probably, at least for their numbers, the surest bets you will find. In, in paired yeah. together, we're talking about like plus 150 money, depending on where you get both of those lines. So yeah. that that's certainly worth it to me in that book. Um, I, I like those two together. Also, and I want to stress this again, I really am high on the idea of Sarah Morris by finish. Um, yeah. Whether you want to take her by just like straight up finish, which like I said, is hovering negative 350, negative 375, depending on the book. Or if you want to get real bold and say she submits her, that's plus three uh, or 625 in the book I'm looking at right now. And if you like her by, by KO, same thing, like 650-ish. So you, you can get either type of finish over 600, six to one odds, or you can pair them together um, and just get her by stoppage at, uh, at you know, like almost negative 400. I think the money for that is exceptional. And granted, Mello has not been finished, but also her takedown defense is so bad. Like, and, yeah. and she's fighting somebody who who has said she does not feel really comfortable on the feet in the past. She likes to be on the ground. She likes to do jujitsu. She likes ground and pound because she can't really be hit back in those situations. Like, it just seems like a match that's tailor-made for her to do precisely what she wants to do. Yep, I agree with agree with all of that. So that um, wraps up this, um, the, the UFC's return to the... Uh, to the sporting uh, front and then return to, to fight Island. Um, they are, after all this time off, they are cramming three events in, in a, in a week. So this will be the first one. And then we will have a fight card the following Wednesday, um, which would be the 20th. And then the following Saturday will be the return of, of Conor McGregor, which we broke down in our last, last week's podcast. You should going to want to check that out. So I believe the plan at this point is, um, Next podcast will be the uh, released on the normal time. It will um, it will be me making fun of all of Dan's wrong picks for this for this Holloway Calvin Cater fight card. Uh, so, so we'll recap that and tell you how much money I won, how much Dan lost, and then we will uh, break down the Wednesday night uh, card. It may even be an afternoon card because they're in a different part of the world. That will be uh, Michael Chiesa versus Neil Magny. And then um, we'll have another bonus episode that week for you, uh, breaking down the rest of UFC 257, uh, Poye versus McGregor. Um, like I said, we did a deep dive into into that fight already on last week's podcast. If you didn't listen to that, make sure you check that out. Um, then we'll we'll probably um, give you a little refresher on that, and we'll break down the rest of uh, rest of that fight card because there's other uh, good fights on there. So in the meantime, make sure you are following us on the on the Twitter machine. Uh, we haven't been haven't been banned from Twitter as of yet, so uh, we haven't incited any riots or anything. But Dan Dan May with his bad picks, he may end up getting himself banned from Twitter. But uh, in, until then, uh, make sure you follow him at Gumby Vreeland. That's Gumby as in that green flexible dude because dan's green dan's not flexible but he is green um and vreeland v-r-e-e-l-a-n-d and i would be jeff fox writer um and get our twitter followers up there get our numbers up there so we look like we're we're big shots um also make sure you, you check out dan's uh, other podcast this week top turtle mma and the prelim picker and um, check out sportsgamblingpodcast.com for I will have a written breakdown of this fight card. We'll see if I waffle on any of the picks um, that I was waffling on air here. 
with uh, this week. And check out our site that we both write for, the one I run, mma-manifesto.com. We will have all your info on uh, Holloway versus Cater heading into uh, this weekend and uh, a whole bunch of whole bunch of other fun stuff, uh, fighter rankings, fighter pay info, uh, scouting reports, all that good stuff. So that's enough of a long-winded, um, long-winded goodbye. So I thank Dan for coming on here, making me seem smart again with uh, making all his round picks and laughing at my bad jokes. And um, until then, I will we will speak to you again uh, twice next week. Uh, enjoy the fights this weekend, and we'll see you then. Bye. Finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer.